welcome to Rosewood Radio on KWNK LP 97.7, a show about education, science, and outdoor fun. Brought to you by the Truckee Meadows Parks Foundation, a nonprofit organization dedicated to protecting and enhancing our community's livability through engagement in our parks and open spaces. On today's show, we have a thoughtful interview, a thrilling wetland mystery, and tales of community science. Stay tuned for announcements on inviting events and outdoor opportunities. The art of using curiosity to notice things about our surroundings has been a human trait and a survival skill since the beginning, when we were all indigenous to the lands we lived on. It was before we adopted new technologies, mass migrations, and mass communication. Nevertheless, the human art of noticing things about our immediate environment is the foundation of what we now call community science. Over 400 years ago, with the help of the early Industrial Revolution and Gutenberg's printing press, what was once a regional practice of making observations for seasonal changes in agricultural science, people shared more and more information, comparing findings and publishing large bodies of collected observations for the world at large. Much of the information being shared was from untrained individuals who had simply taken an interest in some aspect of the environment and kept records about their observations. This is the origin of community science. To give you a sense of what it is to be a community scientist, let me tell you a story about Mary Annings. In the early 1800s, when Mary and her brother were just kids, they went searching their piece of the world for some way to make money to buy food for the table. As they walked along the tall and crumbling cliffs of the English Channel, they found strange teeth and bones jutting out of the cliffs. With nimble fingers, they pulled them out and they brought them home to show. But sometimes passers-by would offer to buy the interesting finds before they ever got home. Gradually, Mary was selling many of her unusual finds and ultimately started rubbing elbows with trained paleontologists of her era. The more she found, the more Mary's curiosity grew and eventually led her to find whole skeletons of an extinct species, including the first unearthed Ichiosaurus. Yes, the same fossil known as the Nevada State Fossil was originally found in the English Channel. As she continued to explore and excavate, she gradually became known as one of the leading experts in the scientific community of England. Her work continues to inform paleontologists today. In fact, she's the one who identified certain stones called coprolites, which are actually, wait for it, dinosaur dung. Unknowingly, her curiosity and perseverance opened up a whole new understandings of the dinosaurs and the geologic record. Stay tuned for more tales of community scientists who have helped us better understand some of the mysteries of our world. Hi, I'm Ozzy Bruno, one of the wetland technicians here at Rosewood. I'm here for this month's Wetland Restoration Update. We just wrapped up our Plants Blues event last week and we had an amazing turnout. We had over 70 volunteers help us plant about 700 native plants all around our wetland, creating homes for native wildlife and our pollinators. We've also been pretty busy building over two and a half miles of walkable trail through our beautiful nature study area. Please feel free to check us out, but remember, no dogs and bikes are permitted in the wetland. 
If you're interested in helping restore the habitat, we have our annual Carpe Diem event coming up June 24th. It's a fun fishing derby with awesome prizes and great competition. We'll be catching the invasive grass carp and all the fish will be donated to a local wildlife rehabilitation center. If you'd like to get involved in this fun event, please check out our Parks Foundation website. Today on Rosewood Radio, we are sharing stories about community scientists to encourage your curiosity to grow and to let you know about Rosewood Nature Study Area, where you can learn about how we're restoring some of our local wetlands. Community science is done by regular people who like to watch, observe, and record what they see in their environment. Whether you like to watch bugs or stars, you can be a community scientist too. Let me tell you about how the community scientist William Herschel really took an interest in the stars. He liked watching the stars so much that he taught himself how to make his own telescope. He liked to go out into the night and watch the stars until he began to see patterns that he could predict. It was so exciting that he spent hours watching the stars until one night he noticed a moving star that had no name that he could find in his books. He watched and watched and recorded his observations until he was sure this was a planet that no one had ever spotted. And he was right. He was the one that discovered the seventh planet of our solar system. If you know the name of that planet that William Herschel found, come into Rosewood Visitor Center and let us know. And we can share with you about community science opportunities that are here at Rosewood. Join Truckee Meadows Parks Foundation for exciting outdoor adventures as we turn our local parks into learning laboratories. During summer break, we offer nine weeks of our student stewards camp. Campers age 8 to 12 can connect to the natural world through outdoor exploration, hands-on activities, experiments, games, crafts, and more. In addition, our STEAM-based camp is now available for junior explorers ages 6 to 8 in partnership with Sierra Nevada Journeys. These special sessions facilitated by Sierra Nevada Journeys will be offered for four weeks at Rosewood Nature Study Area. Please check out our website for more information and to register today. a cold morning. As of late, they're all cold mornings. But the birds don't seem to mind. Red-winged blackbirds clung to swaying tule, calling to each other back and forth like an echo. Two geese flew overhead, screaming to each other, or perhaps to no one. I looked up at them through my binoculars, squinting against the white morning sun. I felt it deep. What do they see from up there? Would that I could have that view? Maybe I wouldn't be without the answers that I craved. Would that I could ask them if they'd seen the culprit that I sought out. 
For weeks this mystery lived in the back of my mind. Every day a new reminder. Every hour that passed only meant the threat of a new attack. Every new attack, another failure. I breathed in the crisp, cold air, turned around, and headed back to the barn. There was work to be done. Hours later, I sat at my desk, unable to focus. I usually loved inputting the data from the plant surveys, keeping track of our efforts to reintroduce native vegetation. But today, my heart wasn't in it. My mind wandered back. Who is at fault? Why would they do it? I pushed my hands through my hair, trying to alleviate the pressure in my mind to no avail. The barn door swung open as my coworker entered the room, cold air rushing in behind them. They hurried to my other coworker, who sat to my diagonal and spoke something to them in a tone too hushed to make out. Again? The other gasped, accidentally meeting my eyes in a worried glance before they darted their eyes away, as if they were ashamed to have spoken the word out loud. It was too late. I lurched to my feet, hands slamming onto the desk, and my office chair rolling behind me. They can't keep getting away with this! Calm down, it's gonna be okay. Where was it this time? Just past the Boynton Slough Bridge, but please don't freak out, it's just a couple of branches. To what end? A couple of branches this time, a couple last week, and the week before, a couple next week? It's just not right and you know it. I know, I know, but... There's like a hundred sagebrush out there. Besides, what are we going to do about it? You don't have to do anything, but I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to find the person responsible, and I'm going to have a serious conversation with them. I pushed the door open, tears welling in my eyes, and took off running. Dead white top and living rabbit brush carpeted the ground on either side of the dirt path. I caught that black and white head of a hooded merganser out of the corner of my eye before it dove underwater. A small white-crowned sparrow flew between the brush to my left. Who would tear into the plants that they called home? It just didn't make any sense. Were they using the brush to wipe the mud from their sneakers? Were they taking the branches home to use as kitchen table decoration? My mind was flooding with possible motives when I finally spotted the recent crime scene. A large branch had been torn off the sagebrush. The cut wasn't clean enough to be made with any kind of sharp edge. This wasn't a knife's work, but rather torn apart in a crime of strange passion. I came looking for answers, but I felt more lost than ever. I stumbled back and then fell to my knees defeated, my knees sinking easily into the now-melting mud. The mud! The half-frozen mud acted like a canvas for temporary fossils, recording every track made by day and freezing them in the cold of night. If I knew what shoe they wore, if I knew what size, I would be so much closer. I scrambled to my feet. There had to be a clue in sight. I scanned the ground, frantic, hopeful, eager. And there I saw it. The light indent of a heel, a sneaker, with long toes? And next to it, what seemed to be a hand? My god, what kind of deranged person was around here on all fours, tearing into the branches of sagebrush? Were they wearing those new agey toe shoes? That had to be it. It was far too cold to be out here barefoot. Besides, the toes looked too wide, too dispersed. It just wasn't right. It must have been cold when they were out here because their prints didn't sink all the way to the ground, but they were there. I stepped back, looking for their path. And to my surprise, the strange tracks didn't turn back towards the parking lot, but deeper, deeper into the wetland. 
I followed them along the path, losing them often, but always finding them again, eventually. What were they doing? Down the path they had traveled, one foot after another. Strangely small gait for the size of the shoe, perhaps a symptom of the guilt they felt for their actions. Their tracks continued into the active restoration side of the wetland, the portion that was closed to the public, as if one crime wasn't enough. I couldn't wait to talk to them in person. They needed to be aware that their actions had consequences, that the health of this world was dependent on the consideration and care of every single person on it. The tracks finally took a startling turn into... the water? What? No sane person would jump into this marshy pond. But who knows what kind of a person I was dealing with. I looked up, scanning the water for clues. If nothing else, perhaps I would see the beavers who had built their dam just down the stream from here. In absence of the answers I needed, their presence never failed to lighten my spirits. And though I knew it was extremely rare to see them in action, I lifted the binus to my face and searched. And what I saw instead of the beavers left the world spinning around me. I had had it all wrong. There, weaved into the beavers' beautifully constructed dam, was a pile of sagebrush branches. <laughs> Alright. We're good? Alright. Well howdy friends and neighbors. This is Kyle, Wetland Tech at Rosewood, and I'm coming to you from Rosewood Radio. And uh we've been catching a lot of fish out on Rosewood lately in the wetland. And so I thought this would be a good song to play for you folks. Hope you enjoy. Collaboration with the restoration efforts of Rosewood Nature Study Area's Natural Wetlands, Truckee Meadows Parks Foundation will be hosting its second annual Carpe Diem Fishing Derby on Saturday, June 24th from 8 a.m. to noon. 
Currently, the ponds are inhabited by an overabundance of invasive carp, which are non-native to Nevada and can grow to large sizes. These carp outcompete the native fish species, eat native plants and grasses, and even disrupt waterfowl nests. This annual fishing derby is a great way to gather the community, fish, engage in an exciting tournament with prizes, participate in fun educational activities, and remove invasive species from the local wetlands. And the best part, it's completely free, and registration is open now on our website, tmparksfoundation.org. Who remembers the order of the steps of the scientific method? It has five steps, but before the first step, you have to have curiosity. Curiosity of how the world works. Observation of what happens is the name of the game with science. At Truckee Meadows Parks Foundation, we're curious about how we can restore healthy wetlands and how we can inspire curiosity for such things in others. Community science is an invitation to collaborate with others about observations you make and learn from. Let me tell you about the amazing work of thousands of people who have taught us about birds in the world. When Europeans first came to the Americas, they were amazed by all the birds they had never seen before. In 1900, a group of bird watchers launched the first Audubon Christmas bird count, inviting people from all over the nation to report the birds that they saw in their area. In 1900, a group of bird watchers launched the first Audubon Christmas bird count, inviting people all over the nation to report the birds they had seen in their area in the deep of winter. This was the beginning of what we know today as the Audubon Society, an organization that has collected the observations of bird watchers around the world to help discern bird behaviors and the fluctuations in their populations. Every year, tens of thousands of volunteer birders and scientists armed with binoculars, bird guidebooks, and checklists take part in the Audubon Christmas bird counts across America from mid-December to early January. That's 122 years of community scientists gathering data to contribute to this big data project of the Audubon Society. The data guides conservation actions and is a testament to the power of the people to do good work together. If you can tell us the five steps of the scientific method, come to our visitor's center and learn more about community science. Yo, guys, this is Ozzy Urbina, a wetland technician, and you're listening to Rosewood Radio on KWNK 97.7. <laughs> My name is Anne, and I'm here to talk with restoration technician Courtney Lewis about her experience with the land and its relationship to the book Braiding Sweetgrass. Courtney came to the Truckee Meadows to help with the Rosewood Nature Study Area restoration with over a decade of experience in restoration work under her belt. She, who advocates for a healthy planet, is inspired by the message in 
Hammerer's book and is here to share her thoughts about this book with us. Hi, Courtney. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing fine. How are you? Good. It's great to be here with you. (laughs) So this um, is about stewarding the earth, and that's a foundational idea that humans around the world have had for generations. But it seems like at some point, wildlands were considered too dangerous, and we systematically removed ourselves from from the land, and it obscured our dependence on the health of, and generosity of the land. It has left us largely ignorant of what it means to steward our own resources and sources of food and water. In the book you read, Braiding Sweetgrass, the author weaves the, her knowledge of science with the ancient ways of learning from the living world. Robin Wall Kimmerer, a botanist, author, and citizen of the Potawatomi Nation, um, is from a people who deeply identify with the lands of the Great Lakes area to this day. So welcome, Courtney, to Rosewood Radio. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for inviting me. Um, I'm glad to have you here to share your experience and your perspective. First, I want to ask you about the land stewardship projects you've worked on before you came to Reno. and What drew you to the land restoration project at Rosewood? Um, Well, I've worked as a biological science technician for a few years now. Uh, Mostly I did projects in species recovery, uh, hydrology, and fire ecology. But I've always loved wetlands, and this opportunity suddenly arrived, and I was was all in from the get-go. So I work on the recovery on the wetland at Rosewood Nature Center. It was formerly converted to a golf course, but the golf course was later decommissioned. And so Truckee Meadows Parks Foundation started restoring the wetland. And as part of that, we remove weeds, we plant wetland plants, monitor vegetation, and we keep data on animals that either live uh, on the site or use the site so that we can know how healthy the wetland is. I see. So um, tell me about how Kimmerer's book speaks to you and the work that you're doing in restoration. Well, it's about restoring the relationship between humans and the earth. Um, We tend to treat the earth as an object rather than a being. And because of that, the relationship between humans and earth is broken. So one of the ways that we can repair that relationship is by understanding the difference between a gift and a transaction. So um, a gift comes with the responsibility to honor it. And it also comes with the expectation of reciprocity and informed consent. gift creates a relationship based on mutual reliance and gratitude. So there's definitely a sense of awe and reverence at the heart of a gift, but a a transaction is different because um, while there is an exchange, there's no relationship formed uh, between the parties, and so there's no further responsibility. So basically what we need to do is to acknowledge the gifts that we receive from the earth and act accordingly. So water, rocks, plants, animals, air, everything, all these, all these beings, uh, they all sustain us. So we have the responsibility to sustain them as well. And um, one of the things that we do in restoration is working to heal wounds. So there are plants that should be more abundant in the wetland, but because the wetland was previously drained, um, there aren't many of those anymore. Um, And invasive plants moved in to take their place, but um, they had root systems that couldn't hold the soil in place, and wild animals can't use them as food. And 
Right now, we are replacing the invasive plants with plants that are more suitable for the wetland. And we're seeing a definite improvement. It's starting to function as a wetland again. And I'm really thankful for that. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, it sounds like Kimmerer's book has a has had a great influence on you and it's a gift to you. Yes, it has. It has. So how do you um, how do you apply some of those uh, lessons or gifts that she gave you to your work? Um, well, I, I think that the most important idea is that nature is alive and that you can get to know it. And if you're willing to learn, nature will in fact, teach you so it's a partnership and there's always more to learn and it's never too late to start i like that never too late to start (laughs) how would these ideas um benefit the people living here in in the truckee meadows if they were to adopt some of her ideas of understanding the gift and that nature is alive and responsive um i think a lot of the time we tend to see ourselves as being isolated from nature and that we are somehow um, in, in, incapable of actually affecting the world. So it's kind of a lonely thought. We're speeding through space on this rock and all we have is, is ourselves and someone who just cut us off in traffic. Yeah. Um, but all of these animals and plants and beings are right next to us too. And we can learn from them and be surprised by them. So in my personal experience, having a sense of awe is really important because it drives curiosity. Um, But more importantly, it takes you out of yourself and your own routine and it builds connection, which we all need, um, no matter who or what we are or where we are. But um, working in the wetland, I have learned tenacity and humility, definitely. Um, There are times when storms have delayed our work. There are times when storms have done our work for us. And we grow, uh, we have a small nursery in the barn, and some of those plants have surprised me um, by how well they have grown when I was positive that they would not do that at all. So the point is to not give up. Everyone knows something, and everyone can do something. Nice. So what changes would you expect to see if more people were more humble and more tenacious? (laughs) Um, Well, I think we might give more consideration to our actions, um, maybe be a little bit more proactive, and make better choices. But also, we might be a little bit more playful and a little bit more inspired. I love that. We need to be more playful. So do you have any favorite part of the book that you want to read to us today? Um, Yes, please. Okay. Okay, so it says, Joanna Macy writes that until we can grieve for our planet, we cannot love it. Grieving is a sign of spiritual health, but it's not enough to weep for our lost landscapes. We have to put our hands into the earth to make ourselves whole again. Even a wounded world is feeding us. Even a wounded world holds us, giving us moments of wonder and joy. I choose joy over despair, not because I have my head in the sand, but because joy is what the earth gives me daily, and I must return the gift. That's lovely. Um, Are there any last thoughts you want to leave with the listeners? Of course. Um, Restoration is a process, but it's far from impossible. 
we are surrounded by sources of inspiration and growth. And if you're willing, you might make some new friends that you never knew you had. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, this is Kyle Haw, Wetland Tech, and you're listening to Rosewood Radio on KWNK 97.7. Community science was first known as citizen science, but recently there have been efforts to change the name to community science to be a more inclusive term that encourages people everywhere to participate in collecting data for the health of our home planet. Now community science is practiced around the world and you can find a project to work on almost anywhere you go. Eco-travel agencies now offer trips to the Serengeti to count zebras or to the Arctic to measure the rates of ice melt And maybe even someday you'll be able to go into space to help scientists understand gravity. But for starters, you can become a community scientist right here in the Truckee Meadows when you volunteer at Rosewood Nature Study Area. We are currently working to rewild the wetlands on the east side of town by removing invasive species and replanting native elderberry, chokecherry, currants, willows, and rose. By keeping track of the changes that take place to restore the health of the land to keep the water clean and healthy. The goal is to create a regional park where locals can experience and enjoy the wild nature of Nevada's native habitats. It will take time, but eventually, with the help of our community, Rosewood Nature Study Area will represent the dedication of our community to restore the 200-acre wetland into a new park for local outdoor enthusiasts. When complete, we will all be able to enjoy the wildlands like the indigenous people of this area did before the Europeans arrived in the Truckee Meadows. We are building a time machine right here by recreating wildlands of the Washishu, the Washoe, the Nui, or Shoshone, and the Numu, the Paiute, who once relied on this land for their lives. This is a monumental project that needs all kinds of community support to succeed, and community members who can volunteer to do observations that the nature study area will guide our work. We need community scientists interested in precipitation, biodiversity, and phenology. What is phenology, you ask? It's the study of observing and recording the effects of the climate events and how it affects the flora and fauna of an area. If you drop by the visitor center, you can learn more about phenology and meet some of the scientists who are working on this project. Hope to see you there.